This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get reward points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Christopher Schindler has a chance to write his name in Huddersfield Town legend. Welcome to episode 63 of the Andy Takes That Chance podcast. Uh, Today we're going to try and do something a little bit different. Last week we reached out to those affected by the lockdown and invited them onto the podcast and I'm happy to say that today we've got a couple of guys coming on. Uh, Today we'll discuss the lockdown Uh, We'll take your questions on Twitter, reflect on the Phil Hodgkinson interview of last week, uh, the current financial situation around football, reflect on some happy memories of Ian Dunn who turned 50 and ask Cosy why he sparked so much outrage with his player of the season so far vote on Sky Sports. Uh, So let's hear some music. Chance for a sherry. Danny Ward saves. Danny Ward saves. Play down the left and Moy stayed onside. Here's Mounier. 2 0 Huddersfield Town on the opening day of the Premier League. The Quattro's in. Brand Gea. 2 0 Huddersfield Town. Just to turn it into the pass. Yes! And Tommins scored. Tommins has scored one of the most important goals. 
pushes forward. The Pucks has got the better. Yes! And Lauren the Pucks has scored! Lauren the Pucks has scored! Okay, so as, as usual, this episode is sponsored by Magic Rock Brewing. Uh, sadly, at the moment, Magic Rock is closed due to the uh, coronavirus outbreak, but the Welcome Centre, who are very close to uh, what Magic Rock do, are still open, and uh, if you've got a little bit of spare money ha- hanging around at the minute, they uh, are taking a couple of donations for people who are struggling at the moment. So uh, have a check of uh, the HTSA uh, website and social media, uh, as well as the Cowshed Loyal, and uh, if you can help out, that would be Fantastic, and uh, and hopefully we come out of this uh, quite soon. Right, good evening, everybody. It's nice to uh, nice to have some new faces on the the show. So a particular warm welcome to uh, Freddie, Andy, and Graham who join us for the first time. So what's usually good to do, guys, is the first time you come on the podcast. What we like to do is like to find out a little bit more about you. What got you into supporting Huddersfield? Why you support Huddersfield? Who took you there? Your favourite memories. Maybe a little bit of blast from the past, and uh, especially living in London for uh, Freddie and Graham, why you why you support Huddersfield Town when it's probably easier to to pick up uh, one of those teams down there. So uh, we'll start with Andy. Um, Andy, what got you into supporting Huddersfield, and uh, especially living in Barnsley? I think are you from from Huddersfield originally, or originally from Murfield. Uh, so I was born three miles away from Leeds Road. So I guess that's. I couldn't go anywhere else. I was taken when I was um, five or six years old, apparently, to watch town play Leicester, because according to my uncle, I, I quite liked Peter Shilton. So he took me along to that to Huddersfield Leicester game, um, and it just just went from there. Local club, all that type of stuff. I'll be honest, I've from from about. 17, 18, up until probably five or six years ago, I didn't go that much because I was I was a sport bully, played football, played cricket, so I didn't really have the time. But they've they've always been my club, um, so yeah, that's that's why I follow town really. And any sort of standout memories, favourite players, things like that. Peter Shilton was one of my early heroes when I started playing as well. Funnily enough, yeah. Um, but he was, I think he was forty-one, I think, when I when I first started liking him. But. <laughs> What, yeah. what what sort of memories do you have? Your favourites? Uh, Craig Maskell was probably my first ever favourite. You'll probably remember him. But what about you? How? Yeah, I do. Uh, yeah. So. Um, so I'm I'm going. Mally Brown was my my biggest favourite. Uh, I I was a, a rubbish right back when I played, um, so I always um, loved him and his, his stuff down the wing. Ian Robbins, uh, Stevie Kinden, people like that. I th- I, I'm not so good on dates and things, but I think that that side that went up that that beat Newport. Yeah. Um, the, the the Mellor singing from Cowshed. That's um, um, that's a memory. Just Leeds Road. I'd I'd give anything to be able to take my little lad back just for one game at Leeds Road, so he can well, he can see how lucky he is where he sits at the John Smiths now, and just just to savour that atmosphere and the smells and the sounds and stuff. Um, yeah, it was a, it was a magical place to go, even if it did smell awful. Not oh, to get yeah. too sidetracked, but I remember the first time I went down the cowshed when I was I was quite young, and uh, it was the sun always used to beat across the the grass, so the grass always used to glisten mm. as you walk down the steps. The, the you know the, they'd have perfect lines, you know, light green, dark green, light green, dark green. Yeah, and that was one of my favourites. Yeah. You used to just walk down there, and it just looked 
perfect, you know, like a bowling green. The rest of it, maybe not yeah. so much, but the the, gra- the the pitch itself was was excellent, wasn't it, at the time? Yeah. That was one of my favourites. But yeah. we'll move on to uh, to Graham uh, down there. Uh, from London, Graham, how did you uh, get into, uh, how did you see the, the light, really? No, no, I'm, uh, I'm from Melton originally. Okay. Um, moved down here for work a couple of years ago. Um, yeah, I think earliest memories. I remember having a, I remember having a top when I was about four or five years old with Smith on the back. So that'd be like 2000, 2001. Martin can't Smith think of the actual player with Martin Smith, I would imagine. Yeah, probably. Yeah, so that, that, that's my first memory of it. Um, trying to think of other good memories. I remember Joel Lynch against Watford, the overhead kick. Oh, yeah. That was <laughs> Um Staying up that uh, game against Barnsley, the draw. I remember doing the conga through the town after that. And then uh, Newcastle game. That was probably my favourite one, I think. Second game of the Premier League, that Aaron Moy goal. That's probably one of my favourites, yeah. Best ever win at home. And uh, and last but not least, uh, Freddie. So, uh, you know, you see my research has gone slightly awry with, with Andy and Graham there. <laughs> but you are a West, uh, sort of an East London boy, aren't you, before you <laughs> tell me that you're from Longwood or something. So, so you got into supporting town through. Was it your parents? Yeah, yes. So I was born and bred in East London, uh, born in Leightonstone, moved to Southwood when I was about five. And my dad's originally from Murfield, um, born in Murfield, grew up in Dewsbury, uh, went to boarding school and then came down to London for work, met my mum and the rest is sort of history. Um, took my, my first ever town game was Birmingham City at home and we got relegated in 90, 90,000. Nice. So I was, uh, I was five, six years old. Apparently I missed the entirety of the second half with a stomachache and I didn't see any of it. And my dad had to pick me up and sort of carry me all the way uh, to where the, the canal where canal side is where we used to park um so that was (laughs) i mean if you wanted to kind of start to town life then that's pretty much it to be honest um but we 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 did go we over the years we've been to so 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 many games i mean it's it's been one of the greatest treasures of my life really sort of going to games my dad he used to sort of take me out of school sometimes the big games so i remember um the playoffs against lincoln he took me out of school for like two days to go up north to stay over um and i remember it was a sec- it was the second leg and we couldn't we couldn't get to the- we couldn't get tickets for the away leg and I remember they sort of they scored twice in the first half I remember being so upset that I thought we were going to lose uh, that I was just crying <laughs> I was just crying in the stands and my dad had to like console me saying it's just a game don't worry like it's just a game don't worry we're fine don't worry and um, obviously the that night was pretty magical and uh, yeah, I mean for me that's the loudest I've ever heard the stadium akin to the goal that um, we scored the second goal for Man United, against Man United. Um, so yeah, just memories like that. I remember the Northampton away game when we won one nil. Um, the first game we went to, it was called off because of the wind, um, and that was interesting story. It's a mate of mine, a mate of mine called Chris, got hit by something from the stand. Uh, so Chris Chadwick got us, uh, got us, pro- you know, helped to get us promoted there. So nice one, Chris, for taking one for the team, literally on that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But sorry, Freddie, I've, dad, I've stopped I there. Carry remember on. Remember when that happened, and my dad, we were walking out of the ground. My dad said, "Oh, so, sorry, mate." Um, yeah, so my my dad, we were literally walking out the ground, and my dad said, "Don't worry, we'll come back. We'll come back next time and beat them." Because we were one nil down at the time. I think Mark Richard scored the first goal, and we weren't very good that day. Um, but yeah, just other games like that. I mean, obviously the Premier League season, the Premier League, the first Premier League season, we almost we went to almost every home game. We bought a season ticket for it, um, which was a lot of money, um, but it was completely worth it. Um, favorite players? I mean, my first ever proper favorite player was obviously Andy Booth when. I was, I was old enough to remember the players, but I remember Kevin Gray in the sort of really doldrum days was one of my favourite players because he never used to wear anything about, apart from a T-shirt to train in whatever weather. I remember going to a 
game against Colchester in their, their old ground and it was like minus four and I was in about nine layers of clothing and he still had a t-shirt on. Um, so, th- yeah, things like that really start to stick out in my memory. Um, other favourite players, uh, Pilkin- Andy, um, Anthony Pilkington was, was definitely a favourite. Um, Jordan Rhodes. Um, Scotty Arfield definitely was one of my favourite players just because he was a bit of a lad. I actually saw him once at Festival in, uh, the, in the Isle of Wight in about 2013, just com- just like having the time of his life, which was uh, pretty surreal. Um, and yeah, it's just, just loads of really good memories like that. That I, I, I mean, it's obviously harder getting to games than living in London than other people, but we, we try and get to about 10 to 12 games a season, sort of only like three or four home games and then sort of eight, eight to 12 away games. So yeah, yeah, just um, be a diehard fan as you can, and, and as you can imagine, I copped a lot of abuse being a London Town fan back in the day when everyone in school was an Arsenal fan because of the Invincibles or Man United. I'd imagine. So what we'll do is we'll start we'll start off the podcast with um, a message from Will Shaw, which says, I'd be interested to know how you guys are getting on. Are you able to work from home? Uh, what's been the effect on your life? Any tips for those of us getting cabin fever? And I think, Freddie, you're probably a good place to start on that one. We'll bring you other guys can jump in as and when, as and when. But Freddie, you, uh, yeah, tell us what you do with uh, Vent. You can um, tell us what you do. Um, where to find it, and uh, just maybe you could tell us a couple of things on on what to do in terms of self isolating and uh, not being able to uh, to have a normal life at the moment. Yeah, so I started Vent in September 2017. Um, it's a place, it's an online platform where everyone, but especially men and boys, can open up about their mental health issues, break down stigmas, and start conversations. Um, largely started it for two reasons. One. Um, lived experience so I live with uh, mental health issues myself I won't go into the whole story because it's all online and you can see it if you want to um, and also I just saw there was a paucity of platforms that were out there um, where everyone but particularly men could show vulnerability express emotions outside of sort of stereotypical um, archetypes that were normally associated with us you know things that sort of that two range sort of man which is either sexual braggadocio or, or violence um, so I wanted to try and sort of put that the idea out there that you know we are more complex than people might imagine and we 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 do live with we, everyone has their own stories um so yeah i mean that's that's been sort of been going on for the last 3 years it's 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 an on, it's an online website it's uh it's a podcast as well called the just checking in podcast um it's a music night um there's a poetry section all sorts of stuff you can find um it's www.vent.org.uk it's on social media on facebook twitter and instagram at vent help uk or one word and then the just checking in podcast you can find on itunes spotify uh, and soundcloud and a few others uh places um for, as far as working from home yeah it has been it, it's definitely been something to get adjusted to um for me, my full-time job is, is on a shift rotor pattern, so I still have to adhere to that uh, at home. So what I've done is I've created a little desk space in my in my house um, so I can separate myself mentally when I kind of start work, finish work, and make sure I can get that sort of separation. I'm not working in my room or I'm not working in my kitchen, so I can still enjoy those places uh, and not feel like I'm sort of working 24-7. Um, obviously, other tips that I'd say are really good to um for, for anyone who's sort of struggling at the moment is try and find some sort of routine or get some sort of routine back it's something that i definitely struggled to adjust to because a lot of my self-care tools were things that uh have now all been cancelled so gigs going to music concerts is a big is a big self-care tool um obviously town games 
kind of other sports podcasts because all sports have been cancelled. So I've not got those, as many podcasts to listen to. Um, so for me, guess getting getting some sort of structure back and routine back. So if I'm going, if I'm doing a nine to five shift uh, on a certain day, I will spend my lunch break. Um, sort of, I'll go for a run, and then that'll be like my one trip outside in in the day. Or the next day, I might do like a weight session in my in my house. I've literally got like two dumbbells. I just do a lot of reps for, on them on different exercises. Just maybe put an hour of your time aside for reading maybe put an hour of your side of time just for sitting and literally listening to a podcast that's what i do a lot of time just sit and listen to something just keep my thoughts distracted um so just making sure you've got a routine really i know it's pretty hard for a lot of people especially if they live in flats and they might have limited space or um they might be living on their own but to to try and find some sort of distraction um is a really good tip I, i'd say and, and also just to try and limit your social media use um i'm pretty prolific on social media because of all the stuff that i do so i've, I've definitely found that a bit hard but the sooner you um, you start focusing on things that aren't in your control and you start becoming affected by them, you will start to, to waste energy on those things that you can't change. And once you realize that you can't change them and all you can do is focus on yourself and your area of concern, then it just makes life a lot easier. So I listen to the news and watch the news at six o'clock and then I sort of get what I need from that and then that's it for the day. Yeah, thanks for that, Freddie. Cosy, I'll bring you in here. Uh, how are you finding the, the working from Oaks? I'm I'm someone who's who does it regularly, so it's not a not a big deal for me. Um, I was furloughed today, um, sadly, but sadly for the company. But hopefully things uh, get back to normal as soon as possible on that one. Uh, Cosy, how are you finding the whole the whole situation as well? Bringing you in and uh, and Simon Brady joining when uh, joining when you want. Well, it's funny what Freddie said said there. To be honest with you, uh, exactly everything that I'm doing and it's working for me. Uh, the, the social media just surround yourself with positivity. Uh, for me, I'm lucky. I've got so many good friends here and in Spain. I've been kind of skyping them a lot. Uh, I've I've got a new job and big thanks to Andy here for probably helping me get that, but massively helping out with my CV. That's just come at a perfect time really because it's given me a focus. So I'm I'm trying to impress there, do really well and. And things but the reality is it's really i'm finding it really tough uh i'm living on my own i think it really hit home this week i had my birthday on tuesday i'm uh, 96 now we're waiting for uh, the queen's telegraph but but no i'm seriously well no cards no presents no humans it was it was surreal it was weird it was very uh not good but then i watch a lot of spanish television now because i'm trying to learn the language and i have nothing to be miserable about it's 10,000 deaths uh, today. They can't even exercise. It is, uh, you know, I just hope we don't ever get to, I know it's a bigger country, but I hope it doesn't get to kind of them proportions in England. But but again, on the positives, I'm discovering stuff about myself that I never knew. Uh, so don't worry, it's not going to be anything mad. But So I went on a seven-mile run today, and that is, for me, honestly, I couldn't even walk to the uh, fridge for the pizza about three years ago. Now I do seven-mile runs I uh, went through Batley, yeah, went through Dewsbury, still alive to tell the tale, which is good. Uh, but, yeah, it's, uh, it's it's difficult on my own, but I've got such a good friend base and that as well. And, and God knows what it must be like for people who've not kind of got anyone and, and stuff like that as well. So, But you know me, guys, sport is my life. I like getting out and about, random stuff. That's all gone. But you've, you've got, to, got to think in a bigger picture, haven't you? And, it's been frustrating seeing some of these. I mean, I have dipped in social media now and again, but that party in Bradford, 30 people, that guy who's been jailed for a year today, who's, you know, spatting the police and, and other stupid stories. It's just like, it's as simple as this for me at the moment. If people just carry on doing what they're doing, we're going to be longer, you know, stuck in here. Stop. 
But like Freddie said, you can't control that. But I suppose, rounding it back up really as well, I'm finding it difficult, but really lucky that A, I've got a job that give me something to focus on and B, good friends and, and I'm enjoying my exercise. Cheers, guys. Cool, I guess I'll, uh, I'll jump in there, Matt, then. Um, so from, from my point of view, probably a bit of a halfway house between uh, yourself and Cosy, really, in that um, I typically book in a week working from home, Monday and Friday, and then a down in London with Freddie and Graham, not literally, but in those parts, midweek. Um, whereas at the moment, I find myself uh, in my little spare room five days a week, which is um, not too bad on its own, but having to share the house with a girlfriend 24-7 is. Um, conscious she can't hear that, so that's fine. Um, I guess what's been the real change for me, or what, where, where it's hit me hardest, was my grandma sadly passed away probably about two and a half weeks ago. Um, it wasn't necessarily... Um, too big a surprise she was very frail very old 94 and been in a been in nursing home for about five years um but on one hand we were quite fortunate that we were able to conduct a funeral um monday this week um, which was nice but but whereas it would normally be a celebration with um various friends and, and wider family it was uh, just the six of us so myself my partner charlotte my brother his girlfriend and and our mum and dad who are both single children, really. And coming away from there and having it stand two metres apart from mum and dad at quite a sad and emotional time and not being able to give my mum a hug like I wanted to and, and tell her that everything will be all right was quite very difficult, really. And I guess could should be grateful on one hand that we were able to have a funeral. There's lots of people passing away now and, and that might not be possible, but at the same time, it's made what is a very difficult situation even more difficult, really. So that's the biggest impact on on my life um uh, i guess it yeah impacts everyone everyone different really but that's something that's been very very surreal in a very very surreal world and even that the build up to that we worked sure on the, the few days before whether or not the funeral would go ahead etc etc so um it's put a lot of stuff into perspective really um but yeah yeah sorry it's really sorry to hear about that side that sounds awful um i mean i don't for me um it's been well. I, I work in social media, so I've been I've been quite quite busy. Um, obviously, it doesn't compare to anything like that. That's that's awful. Um, yeah, for me, I, I, I live live in Leeds with my my partner, um, and that's been quite nice to have that that interaction. Um, I've actually quite enjoyed working from home, and I've probably been um, more sociable than than I, I was, uh, to be honest, because these apps like House Party and it uh, uh, gives me an excuse to call people I've not spoken to in a while. And I think, um, you know, like small things like um, listening to the radio, that's been a, a big thing for me. Um, it just feels nice to know that everyone's going through it. And- if you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're 
you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Cosy, what, what's your favourite away day? Matt, it's got to be the city ground at Nottingham. Just old school stadium, you're right near the pitch, great atmosphere. But there's nothing like playing at home. Same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. I was as bad as, you know, and there is some tough times and obviously it's tough for other people, but um, I think, yeah, just kind of getting in touch and making that effort. I, I do like social contact and like, like to speak to people and chat to people, hence why, why I do this. Um, but yeah, it's... Um, it's tough. It's tough for other people. I mean, my my partner's um, just unfortunately been furloughed today as well. So um, it's a tough time for people. I mean, Touchwoods. Um, I'm I'm keeping busy and um, yeah, being able to do stuff. But you know, uh, I suppose like um, like some of the guys were saying, like listening to podcasts, doing stuff, and um, having social contact because um, you know it's really important. And you know, just checking in with people and checking they're okay, especially in tough times like this, is is what you need to do, really. Yeah, I just wanted to echo quite a few of the points that Freddie and Brady made. Um, yeah, I've been keeping in contact with a lot of people that I've not maybe spoken to in a while, which is quite nice. I'm able to work from home properly, so that's quite good at the same time. But yeah, I think for the first couple of weeks, it was quite difficult because I wasn't forcing myself to have that routine. But once I've like made myself get into that routine, it's been a lot better. And um, I think one thing that's been big for me is... Um, trying to avoid all the coronavirus stuff and picking out like one point during the day where I'm going to have a look at all the news and catch up on everything and then just kind of like trying to block it out for the rest of the day, which is a lot easier when, you know, you're working throughout the day. But yeah, I think you can get consumed by it. And if you're checking it every 20 minutes to see the latest death stats and all that kind of stuff, it can be a bit troubling. Yeah, I think one of the things as well, Freddie, you might say as well is uh, all the notifications that you get on your uh, on your mobile phone as well every five minutes sky news bbc guardian whoever you follow you know it's all coming up isn't it with uh, uh, death tolls and, and on one hand it's very serious but on the other hand it's it's uh, it's important to not let that get on top of you and uh, and to keep doing the right things and, and follow the the government advice as well yeah exactly i would just echo what everyone said um the important thing we we talk i think for me it's it's about what you can control and uh for my mental health if i'm not in control of something is when it starts to maybe affect me but if i'm concentrating on things that i know i won't be able to impact so you know we we might all be frustrated at the fact that there aren't enough testing being being done or there's not enough protection protective equipment being given to the nhs and all those sort of issues that are valid and legitimate but we can't change any of that and you know we can all be worried and 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 we can all check in on the, the people that we know or loved ones who work in the NHS but we can't change it so i think you're always, you're obviously you're obviously right to to be worried but we can't let that get on top of us and we can't let that sort of cripple us when it comes to doing our everyday lives so as long as we follow the advice as long as we stick to the rules and 
as long as we kind of behave like decent human beings as well, you know, everyone would have seen the stuff about panic buying and it happened in my area and everyone would have seen the stuff about what Cosby said about, you know, NHS staff getting us getting or police officers in, in, in that case uh, being assaulted. Um, you know, I've seen stories on social media about NHS staff uh, being sort of having to be forced to not wear their uniforms in public because people might steal their IDs to, to, to get into supermarkets early, like all this sort of trash behavior. As long as we are decent human beings and we, we check in with the people that we love and we do the best that we can, then that, that's all we can really do, to be honest. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll echo that. And uh, and across football as well, Cosy, we've seen that um, it, there's, there's sort of mor- there's, there's sort of like moral and ethics. It's turning nasty, mate, isn't it? It's turning nasty. There's a, there's a real uh, divide. I mean, there was anyway, I think, between, you know, kind of non-football people and, you know, the top level, as we obviously saw in our two years in the Premier League. But I think it's getting a bit nasty, really. And God, I don't know if it's a debate for this, but it's, yeah, people are demanding people get the wage cuts. But, you know, it was just why, you know, why should footballers be the easy target? Well, why can't Boris Johnson take a wage cut? I mean, where do you draw the line? It's, uh, I've seen a lot of people screaming at, you know, town players for not taking a wage cut, even though obviously the, the furloughs come in with the office staff and, Obviously, the directors are not, you know, uh, kind of getting a, a wage for the, is it three months or one month or something? But, yeah, yeah it, it's uh, it'll be interesting to see where it all ends. But I just don't like demand. I get, I get what people are saying, footballers are rich, blah, blah, blah. But I don't like people demanding that people should do this, that and the other. It's, it's nothing to do with people, in my opinion. But it'd be nice. But I, I think the trouble is Daniel Levy came out with that. Well, it, it leaked out, didn't it? What have you had the press release from Spurs and then... It's kind of escalated. The last two, three days have been pretty wild, pretty uh, savage, haven't they? Between like journos, your normal person, and kind of footballers are really getting it at the moment. I don't know what other uh, guys have got opinion on. I think the only thing I'd add to that is Cosy is. Um, I think I just, I read it first time. Yeah. Matt Hancock and his best statement this evening has made reference to to Premier League footballers and and what he thinks they should do. And yeah, I kind of don't quote me this because I haven't listened to it, and it's just something I've seen flash up on social media. But I think echoes the point you were trying to make really that everyone's seemingly got an opinion on it and it's only going to escalate and snowball from here really until each club has made their own individual decision. Yeah, I think it's a bit of a nuanced one for me guys. Um, For me, like, you know, League One and League Two footballers aren't getting paid a lot of money. You know, they might be getting paid, top earners might be getting paid max five grand a week. Now, comparatively to Premier League footballers, that's, you know, if you ask them to take a 70% wage cut, you know, that's livelihoods we're talking about. That's mortgages. Um, But Premier League, but top Premier League footballers obviously on millions, millions more money. Now, for me, what I disagree with is that football clubs, and this is especially happening in rugby, although that's a different podcast, um, some clubs are unilaterally reducing wages of players without consulting them. And it might be that they're using coronavirus as an excuse to reduce wages rather than saying, look, we need need to cut this amount um, to, to... to survive as a club, um, would you be able to to take this reduction? Now, it has to be a unified approach within that club. If the top bosses say, we are going to take X amount of our own wages off, you can take X amount, and that will help pay for the backroom staff, the tea lady, the kit man, then that for me is the right approach. You know, I don't I don't agree with the with clubs unilaterally reducing, you know, players' wages by 60%, 30%, whatever it is. But at the same time, I also kind of do expect the top earner players to, you know, do the morally right thing if it means that their tea lady or their kit man or, you know, the event staff or or hospitality staff are going to lose their jobs if they don't do it, if that makes sense. Mm. 
I, for me, yeah. I'd like to see a bit more from the PFA from me. Um, the only thing we've seen so far is the PFA have told, uh, apparently, uh, that I've seen that they've told players not to take a cut. But what I'd like to see is the PFA come out with a, a firm stance, maybe, and uh, and come up with a plan uh, for me. Because uh, you're going to be waiting forever, Matt. It's uh, the PFA, yeah. Feels like it, doesn't it? But I, I would prefer <laughs> them as the governing. You know, as as, as, as I see them as a yeah, governing body. Don't hold like. your breath on the PFA. <laughs> no, but you, you would like to think that they would have enough about them to come out and say, right, these will take X, these will take X, these will take X, and have a have a joint, have more joint thinking. I don't know what you think of this, Andy. We'll bring bring you in, um, but. I've, I've got a question for you, Andy, as well, just to kind of bolt it onto that as well. What what it sits uneasy with me, the furlough scheme being used by football clubs, but I've been kind of thinking about it when I were on my run today, thinking, well, hang on a minute, why should they just be able to use it like anyone else? But it just it just sits uneasy with me that you know that we are. I don't know what your views are on it. Completely the same. It, it just doesn't feel right. Um but it's there, they're a business, so they've they've got to be able to to, to to have access to it. There's, there's, there's a few bigger things for me on this one. Um, a lot of clubs will talk about their values and talk about, you know, uh, putting the team themselves. This is an opportunity for me for them to be able to do that and do the, the, the right thing for the community around them and the people that are part of their club. So the, there's that. Um, I also know um, that I used to underwrite mortgages uh, a long time ago for a, for a bank and my my um, my role was to assess mortgages mortgage applications that that fell outside the bank's normal lending policy. So we got a lot of footballers. Now the the money wasn't sloshing around like it is now. Twenty years ago, it was really at the beginning of the Premier League. But one of the things is that when you've got money to spend, you will spend it. So just because somebody's on thirty grand a week doesn't mean to say they've got twenty nine and a half grand getting stuck in a savings account somewhere a lot of these guys get money and spend money and i think they're good there's going to be a lot of resistance to them altering their lifestyle because one of the things that's that's come out of all the debacle at town i think is they're really cosseted people who have people around them telling them what they want to hear and i think there'll be a big push against this because i don't think they live in the real world they should but they don't and that's that's sad for me, but I, 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 it just sticks in my craw a bit, particularly Premier League, if they're using furlough money that could be sent elsewhere. I get nothing from the, from the don't get me on a rant here, the government give me nothing. My self-employed status, the way that I pay myself, means that I've, I'm one of that 5%. I can't go out and um, earn money because I've got asthma. So I'm stuck in my house, unable to earn money apart from doing things virtually. And... You get all these other guys who've got the, the cosseted lifestyle, who will not feed money back into the economy like they should. So there's a lot of there's a lot of things to be thought about for, from that perspective for me. Graham, what did you think of the statement from Mark Devlin uh, this lunchtime, mate? Yeah, I thought. I mean, overall, I thought it was the right call. I think wider, it's it's a bit of a like you say, it's a big issue. My my main issue with goes bigger than that sort of stuff. My main issue is with the sort of companies that are trying to take advantage of this furlough, furlough scheme. Like we, we got told at work today that apparently EasyJet have paid out something like 150 million worth of dividends and then they're also going into the furlough scheme at the same time. So, you know, I think as much as the government can do on these issues, you can't stop businesses operating how they're going to operate. If they're going to operate in an immoral way, you can't really stop them because you're always going to get companies trying to take advantage of these, these situations, which is a sad thing, but, you know, but yeah, 
Brady, what's uh, what's your thoughts, mate, on the old situation? Now, I think I think the thing is with Town. I think because we've had two seasons in the Premier League, I think a lot of people feel we're swimming around with money. And, and while I think we may be in a better position than you know so a lot of other clubs, I'm not sure it's you know people are entirely in the bottom with that. No, I think it's tricky, isn't it? Because like like some of the other guys have alluded, like there's no um, it's different for every club and everyone. Some people take advantage, some people, but like. I think what kind of, and some of the guys have touched on this as well, I don't like how it's like on the players, like, oh, well, the players should have to do this. The players should, you know, they earn a lot of money, so it's up to them to do it. I, I think, you know, the decision should be put to them. Um, like Freddie was saying with rugby, like, you kind of like, here's what we're doing. You guys can do this. It's up to you. And then the players can decide that way. But I, I don't like how it's calls for, like, you know, if we take, like, I'm trying to think who the highest earners at our club are, but if the onus is on them to make the decision themselves, I think it's tricky. Whereas I think having a meeting and, and discussing and putting forward a proposal is better. Um, yeah, this is why I said Brady. I'd like to see more from the PFA, you know, to lead those negotiations. Really, that's what um, that's what I'd like to see, and uh, I'm on the same path as you, 100%. Yeah, Brady. In the Spanish league, there's a, a rule that it doesn't matter what the players think. 50% cuts uh, across the you know board. I think it's I can't remember the exact technical term. So while here we're having this debate, should they take a cut or what have you? In Spain, even if like Madrid have done it, Barcelona have done it, and the players can do nothing about it. I think I don't know if you saw this week, but I think Barcelona were going to top up the 30% uh, all the players and it were Messi kind of announced not the club which was a bit of a strange one but it takes it out of their hands it's getting a bit of a messy one here isn't it in England where it's it's up to individual clubs and stuff to make this call and uh, yeah we're caught in the crossfire as well as a town as a club Yeah definitely and I think it's tricky I mean I was actually having this um, debate um, about finishing the season but it's kind of kind of relevant as well and I think like we say, we don't have much faith in the PFA or the EFL. Um, but I almost think it's tricky because on one hand, you like you can argue do the same as Spain and like make a decision and be like, this is what we're going to do. This is it. It's the same for everyone. Um, but the thing is, and I'm sure we, we've talked about it on the radio before, like they, they have so much time. You know, like it doesn't look like football is going to resume at the end of April. Um, so I'd rather, you know, a decision they make today or this week could be the wrong decision in a week's time. So it... Not that I'm trying to stick up for the <laughs> for the EFL or the PFA, but um, it is it is tricky. Like I, I still don't think of all the decisions I've heard for um, ending the season. I still don't think there's one that suits everyone, and there won't be ultimately. Uh, well, we can move on to that if you like. If if nobody else has anything to add on it, I'll shoot first if you don't mind. Um, so I think it was just on the timing of the announcement. I think Huddersfield is probably one of the clubs that have. Move first, if you like. Obviously, they are the Spurs, the Newcastles, Leeds United, etc. have all come out in statements. But Huddersfield are still probably one of the first clubs to state their position, if you like, and where they're at. And, and I guess just coming back to some things we discussed, there's not a right right answer to this. But I'm not sure that's helped them in this instance. It's caused a lot of backlash when actually if they were to state something, maybe at the start of next week, even tomorrow, perhaps when a few more clubs have announced their position, that the backlash maybe wouldn't have been as it would have been presuming a lot of other clubs do similar or actually had other clubs done different then it might have shaped a bit more what Huddersfield did so um, applaud me in one sense for kind of coming out and making a position but just wonder perhaps we wouldn't have seen the, the backlash that we have seen had other clubs and, and what have you kind of made their announcement first uh, Go Freddie Yeah I just have one more just one final point I, I think I think I'd echo what everyone said and I think for me the focus has to be more on the owners because what the owners of what certain club owners have done is they've 
now taken taxpayers' money to uh, take away to well to to sort of make sure that that, that staff either don't get proportion of well don't they don't get one hundred percent of their earnings. So therefore, it's then put the pressure on the players, um, which I get. I agree with everyone is is unfair. So. The interesting thing for me is, I mean, I actually agreed with the statement that came out today. I thought it was a really well-judged move. Um, and the financial hit from some of those board those board members can't have been, you know, small change. So I think it was actually a really welcome move. Whether how I think I'd rather see them, do, I mean, for me, I'd rather see them do it early than too late, if that makes sense. Because if they do it too late, then there might be even a bigger backlash saying, why don't you do this early and protect the club's, the admin staff salaries? So I, I, for me, I'd rather have them done it sort of too soon than, than, than too late when people's financial situations might be a bit worse. Just one from me, Matt. Uh, I've heard from a very, very good source. We kitted in Leeds have done this and that. Leeds and Birmingham, well, they were talking in the press, but I've heard that they've not done any deferral. And, and, I, and I think a, a sound uh, gauging board would be their Twitter feed. They're all over it, aren't they? are giving it out and what have you. So I'm sure we'd have heard about it on their Twitter feed if they'd have done it. So I think that's just talk. So I think town, like you said, there, uh, Freddie, should be applauded for, for coming out in the statement. But I, as, as soon as it came out on Twitter, I, I mean, I didn't look underneath at the comments, but I can imagine what, what they are and that as well. I think you're damned if you do and damned if you don't, really, on this one. And as the guys pop off to uh, clap the NHS care workers, I think this will be a, a good moment to stop this week's podcast. And uh, we'll split this one into two parts and we'll be back in a, a couple of days with the, the second part. So I hope you enjoyed it and we'll uh, release the second oh, part quite soon. Late in May in 2017 Schindler scored it was a heffing dream What a feeling, what a night Oh, what a night Wagner singing, we are Premier Greatest sights in Georgia Square did see What an evening, what a night Oh, I I got a funny feeling when he walks And a fence And then The commentator yelled he takes that chance So save him mesmerizing me Low, low charge and flattened all Chelsea Stanford Bridge, oh what a night Oh, I I got a funny feeling when he Lads, what's your favourite 90th minute goal? Got to be Heffley against Leeds. 
A shot from Moy and sliding in at the death, Michael Heffley, great finish to the game, shared with my family, only made better by ordering McDonald's via McDelivery afterwards. Three points, not nugget share box, spot on. Order McDelivery now by the McDonald's app. You in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.